I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to the program. This is The Call. We are broadcasting from Barangaroo Studios. And it's great to have you here with us. This is the program we have 10 stocks that have been picked by you. We've got two experts and one hour to discuss them in detail. It is Thursday, the 23rd of July. I'm Nadine Blaney. So joining us on the show today, we've got Rudy Philippek van Dyke. He's here with me in studio. Welcome, Rudy. Good to see you there. A pleasure. And via Skype, we have Claude Walker from A Rich Life. Hey, Claude. Great to see you there. Thanks for joining us. No time like the present is there. Let's talk our stock of the day. Our stock of the day is Audinate. So this is a company that we actually use some of its technology here at Ausbiz. It uh, yesterday looked to raise about $40 million. It will be doing a $28 million Insto placement and a $12 million share purchase plan. Now it says it will use the money to speed up its growth opportunities, strengthen its position and pursue potential M&A. So this is basically, uh, Rudy, you know, I'm sure you know, but digital audio signals over computer networks. So it's all about audio. Um, yeah, what do you make, first of all, about the news that it's looking to raise capital? Um, well, that's not that unexpected. Uh, this is a company that, uh, um, for memory, listed less than two years ago. Uh, it's still a relatively small cap stock. It doesn't make profits. It has a lot of promise. And I'm assuming that uh, investors, in, in general terms, will, will applaud the raising because it basically means they will get probably through the downturn they're experiencing right now and they might get out of it in a stronger market positioning. But the company recently updated the market ahead of the, the raising and they basically have been, been acknowledging that the times are tough for them. Uh, it's one of those very promising stories that once they're listed, it, it, it started to get traction. And you can see that the share price that really performed quite well until the pandemic hit. Uh, and the share price hasn't recovered back to where it was. It's because the company itself had to admit it's not the same anymore. In general terms, I think uh, the view will be that they will, they will weather this out. They will come out of it stronger. But I think investors will have to be patient. Okay, so bring in Claude Walker from A Rich Life. Claude, do you know the business model? Do you like the business fundamentally? Yes, I do. It's uh, actually been one that we've covered for a long time on A Rich Life and also I've previously recommended in my previous role uh, at about $2.90 and I bought shares at around that price as well. Basically, the reason I like the business model so much is because uh, it is creating a network effect where almost every serious uh, equipment manufacturer in sort of large scale and um, sort of live broadcasting like this needs to have ordinate chips in it because that is the predominant system uh, used to transfer uh, audio signal over fiber optics. So as a result of that, it's kind of in a phase at the moment and has been in the last few years where it is just converting everybody to using its chips. And my thesis has always been that at some point in the future, maybe even five, six years in the future, 
it's going to be such an essential that it's going to be able to very gradually start dialing up um, its prices and it will have true pricing power. And then once you have true pricing power, you've got a recipe for being able to increase your profits just a little bit by little bit in excessive inflation every year for a really long time. And at that point, I imagine it would become an absolute market darling. Now, of course, as Rudy mentioned, um, this one's been hit hard by uh, the pandemic because so much of its end users are basically venues that have huge numbers of people in them. And of course, that is the number one thing in the firing line when we have to have social distancing. And I think you can see that for just, uh, it was just in 2019, they raised capital $20 million at $7 per share. Well, how, um, how humbling and what a shame that now they have to raise capital at $5.15 per share. So I, I should disclose, I own a tiny holding in this company just purely because it's one that I find really interesting. It's a really high quality business model, but I'm not super enthused at the prospects at the moment just because of this sort of medium term headwind we've got with the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And I think the truth for me is that I'd be most interested in buying shares under the share purchase plan if I knew I could sell them sort of for an immediate profit. So I, like a lot of other people, We'll be watching the share price to see if I can exploit that arbitrage. In terms of what's a good price to accumulate the company, I think, you know, if it got down to anywhere around $4 or even below that, as it did in the panic, um, in hindsight, I think that would be like a good time to actually be buying shares because I, as you sort of said, you know, the long-term thesis is still sort of intact. It's just that there's going to be an, an unknown period of struggle in between then. So that's why I, it's just it's hard for me to pick because I really can't make a very good guess about how long we're going to have these huge social distancing um, mandates that are absolutely required for the good of everybody. But um, the flow on from that is that no one in their right mind is going to invest in a new audio system for a big venue like a stadium or a conference center or anything like that because those centers are going to be roughly empty for the next couple of years. And even when we get a vaccine, it's going to take ages if, if we get a vaccine. It's going to take ages for that to roll out. And then after a while, it's going to take a while for those big conference centers to start getting full again and people to have confidence to do that. And even then, it's going to take a little while after that before they say, okay, now we feel confident to reinvest in it. So I think probably um, it's something I'd start to assess once it seems like there's hope that we've got a vaccine or there's hope that we're going to really quash this uh, pandemic, at least, in, um, at least start quashing it. At that point, that's when I'd be making an assessment. And I think it's likely that uh, if we do get a vaccine, then this would this will be a, a buy. If we don't get a vaccine, well, then I feel a bit uh, pessimistic about the stock generally. Okay, Audinate, AD8. Thanks, Claude. Thanks, Rudy. And uh, we'll get right into the stocks that have been generated by you. So the first pick of the day comes from Jim. And he's picked carsales.com, so the ticker code is C-A-R. Rudy, when it comes to car sales, you've got to say that some of the macro themes have been moving in its favor. You know, we have seen people picking up their car buying, people shying yep. away from public transport. Yep. Um, we've also had stimulus injected into this economy and recently the extension of the job keeper, job seeker stimulus, obviously at different rates. But is that going to continue to prove to be a tailwind for car sales? Let's disclose first, I'm a, I'm a shareholder. I've been a shareholder for quite a long time. Um, I wouldn't chase the share price here, but I actually took some profits recently. Um, it's, but I think the, the, there's two things uh, here. One is earlier the share price was really sold off quite heavily on, on because the, the monthly numbers showing, even before that, the monthly numbers showing 
uh, a continuous decline in the, the, the sales mm -hmm. of, of new cars also weighed on the share price. And that was, in my view, was, uh, shows you that the market is not really up to date with what car, car sales is all about. It's pre-owned cars. That's the majority of what they do. Yeah. You know I mean? And that's, that's a sector that my vision was always, well, if people are not buying new cars, they will be exchanging pre-owned cars. Yeah? That's, it, it has to come from somewhere. So I always thought that they had a, a much more solid business than the market was giving them credit for. And that's been proven correct, I think, now. Um, I take a long-term view with, the, with, with those stocks. I, 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 the way I work is I have a list of what I regard for high-quality companies with a long-term uh, growth prospect. And you just buy them when they, when they get to a price where you, where you think they're attractive to, to buy or to add more shares. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think they're at that level right now. It looks quite um, uh, expensive here, but that all depends on what they come up with in August and, and next year. Right? If the momentum continues to be strong, the share price will not come down. So uh, people who want to buy this stock at a, at a discount, they, might, they may have to be patient as well for the, for the right moment. Otherwise, I mean, uh, they do pay a dividend. Uh, there's absolutely nothing wrong with, uh, with their business model. Um, they've, they've successfully defended their moat against uh, competition, which now includes eBay, by the way. Mm -hmm. um, and in previous years, some people got quite critical of them because they thought, well, if, if the Americans move in, they have a lot more money. But I think they underestimated how strong that franchise is. I mean, if you want to sell your second-hand car, CarSales.com. You are going to car sales, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and right. that's the long and the short of it. So uh, my vision would be you put, it on your, you put it on your list of the stocks, if you don't own it already, you put on your list of stocks you, 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 you like to own, but you wait for weakness. Uh, here it's getting a little bit uh, hot under the collar. Yeah, um, Claude, I'm curious to know if you believe that car sales has that strong brand recognition, that moat that we talk about so much that is so important when you're investing in a company. A and then following on from that, depending, I guess, on what you think, is the company fully valued at the current price? Well, that, well, that's a great question, Nadine, and it is uh, one that I can't actually answer because this was one of my first ever recommendations when I first got into the stock picking game. And the reason is it has such a strong network effect. So a network effect is when you have, uh, say, buyers that go to car sales, and so sellers want to go to where there are the most buyers, and then buyers want to go to where there are most sellers. Mm -hmm. But the strength of a network effect defends, depends on the number of nodes in that network. So if we're talking about something with fewer transactions, for example, a car sales, but in, instead of for tractors, it would not have such a strong network effect because there are fewer buyers and sellers. Something like cars, you know, almost anyone can get out there and, and buy or sell a secondhand car, and they do. So it has a really strong network effect. And I believe that is uh, where it gets that competitive advantage you're asking about. And that is also where it gets that high quality um, and the ability to defeat competition that Rudy was talking about. So yes, I do think it is a quality business. Doesn't surprise me at all to hear Rudy's a, a, an owner of this one. Um, in terms of the current price, it's about 33 times the top end of um, adjusted net profit. So it's not super outrageous in this market. Um, we've, we're seeing some really crazy valuations at the moment as uh, the world gets um, a lot of financial uh, stimulus. Uh, so it's, it's not a far out there. It's not completely insane. Um, I would not be too worried about it if I held shares in it. Uh, but I don't think that there's some huge undervaluation either. This is actually a reasonably slow growth business, like all things considered. It can keep growing, and that is evidence of its pricing power and, and its uh, competitive advantage. And it's the kind of stock that you do want in a blue chip kind of portfolio. Having said that, 
it's not obviously undervalued at the moment. There's no uh, clear sort of thing that people are worried about that's wrong or, or no other obvious source of undervaluation to me. So for me, it sort of fits in that sort of hold range. Okay, so that's carsales.com. Jim, I hope that that helped you. It sounds like if you're really interested in buying it, you should be looking for some sort of a pullback. ARB Corporation, so I flipped the, the order, guys, not to throw you off, but I just thought going from car sales would make sense to go to ARB. And Rudy agrees with me. That's Absolutely. an endorsement. Okay. Absolutely. Ticker code <laughs> is ARB. This one is coming from Tammy. Again, yeah. I suppose we can talk to yeah. some of those macro thematics. But to a certain extent, there's the same dynamic happening here. Um, ARB, it's quite, quite funny if, if, if anyone wants to research the, how this company started. It's basically someone in Queensland who, who thought they were not very good bull, bull bars around, so he, start, he started making them himself in, his, in, in, his, in his garage, <laughs> in his garage, exactly. Um, so this is, I mean, this is without exaggeration, this is probably one of the highest quality stocks we have on the Australian Stock Exchange. I mean, it's, um, it's, it's very solid in what it does, it's an absolute market, market leader. Uh, it does have some competition from, from cheaper priced uh, products, but it, it obviously, it's, it's very much linked to the four-wheel drive segment of the fossil fuel cars we have. Um, it has, I mean, it, it's expanding in the US, it's now manufacturing in Asia. Uh, there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. If people are looking for a bargain, they can almost never buy this stock at a bargain. It almost always trades at a premium to the market. Um, that's a lesson for investors that quality uh, uh, just simply carries an, uh, a, a premium. Um, at the moment, I don't own it anymore, but that's more of a portfolio consideration. I mean, I can't link all my all my investments to the car industry. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. It gets a little bit of crowd at the time. You can't own all the stocks in the market that you would like to, but I would, in general terms, I would say the same thing with ARB as with car sales. You have it on your list. Uh, if anything happens at some stage, the market gets spooked or whatever sells off, you add it to your portfolio. It pays less of a dividend than um, uh, than car sales does, but that's usually because the valuation is higher. But it's, it's a relatively um, consistent dividend payer. It's, it's hardly scratched the surface in the US. Yeah, and um, that's where the export market is really growing. Exactly. And we haven't seen a real decline in car sales as well no. in the US, no. so particularly for the four-wheel drives. I mean, if you yes. go to North America, exactly. take a look at how many exactly. pickup trucks, as they're yes. called, are on exactly. the road. So exactly. it, the, the sky must be quite blue there. But then, Claude, we get into Obviously, there are some concerns around the economic environment and COVID, but also the Australian dollar. I mean, we've got an Australian dollar now that's bumping up against, you know, 71, close to 72. I was speaking with um, somebody yesterday, Angus Geddes from Fat Profits, who's expecting an 80 US cent Australian dollar. I mean, does that sort of complicate the outlook for ARB if that comes to fruition? Uh, yes, it does a little. Of course, having an, because this is an exporting company and has manufacturing overseas, I think, I can't remember actually off the top of my head, but I think it suffers from a higher uh, Australian dollar. And that's certainly been a factor that has um, influenced its results. When I analyze it though, I tend to look through uh, currency movements. I don't try to take uh, currency uh, movements into account when I build my portfolio. I just find it too complicated with, um, and it can definitely cl uh, cloud the underlying performance of the business, which will shine through over in the end. So you have these, big one-year fluctuations based on currency. But if you're a long-term holder, and I imagine anyone buying this company would be, um, then it's more just about where you think the underlying things, I guess, in the medium and long-term are. Now, I am a little bit more worried about ARB than, say, car sales because uh, 
the it does benefit from like a boisterous uh, economic environment because a lot of the like a new bull bar and that kind of thing, the things that you can add on to the car, that's the kind of mm, nice to have items that um, you know could fall off in a recession and you won't you won't see so much purchasing of that. So medium term, I might be a little bit pessimistic there. However, uh, longer term, as you mentioned, this has been benefiting from a trend towards bigger cars, essentially four wheel drives and the like. So it's definitely done well out of that. That's the long-term tailwind that's been one of the key things that makes this an investable quality stock. And I love to get questions about these on some some of the other stocks we have are very, very speculative. But this one is a good company. Um, and I'd like to add one other bit of evidence, in my opinion, that makes it a good company, which is that the founding brothers own over uh, $200 million worth of shares. And they uh, take a very reasonable salaries from what I remember. Now, I haven't gone over it with a, with a fine... Um, magnifying glass to see if there's any other ways they're taking money out of the business, which you sometimes do see. But my impression of this company over very many years of watching it is that they have a like, really high quality management that run it like they are shareholders and they are shareholders. So for that reason, I do agree with Rudy that this is another quality stock that is totally ownable. My father-in-law owns it. It's not exciting enough for me to personally own. I don't think it's going to become, has any real chance of becoming, um, you know, going up 100% in the next couple of years. But uh, over the long term, I trust these guys to build value for shareholders. Um, at the moment, though, I do. I don't. I would only buy this when I saw some sort of clear. Oh, it's fallen out of bed, but doesn't deserve to. Somewhat like what Rudy was saying. You guys are really getting along today. Mm, That's know. very nice. But yeah. few comments to make. Maybe we should give Airbnb eight years the time, and they might get to 100% for the share price. <laughs> the other thing is, you should see them as a as an extension as well of, of the mining industry. A lot of miners who, uh, who work in mm. deep south Queensland and elsewhere, they often are very major customers of ARB. And the other thing is they've gradually shifted their production into Asia. Yeah. So it's less about your Aussie dollar, but it's more about the emerging markets currencies against the US dollar, right. basically. And I also wonder, I mean, I'm no expert, but uh, you know, yes, there will be headwinds um, you know, if, if people are losing their jobs, but then that's also a flip side that you know, instead of buying a new vehicle, maybe you just pretty up the one that you have, that lipstick effect, but in a very male version. There you go. There's my uh, my addition to that. All right. So that's ARB, ticker code ARB. Um, let's get to maybe one that does excite you. Claude, I don't want you to fall asleep there on your own. So talk to us about Brain Chip Holdings, BRN. It's AI, so tick for a hot word. It's headquartered in the U.S. It's a pure play AI company. And I'm told that it's the only one listed on any share market globally that's a pure play AI name, and it's um, you know continuing to commercialize its technology. Does this one get you to sit up a bit? It does get me to sit up, but probably not in the best way. Uh, for me, it seems a little bit buzzword heavy. So in the last quarter, it may, so first of all, let's just say this is more an idea than an actual established business. In the last quarter, its receipts from customers was just four thousand dollars. Offsetting that has a hundred and fifty million dollar market cap. So for me, that's almost the de definition of frothy. Um, it had $3.7 million cash at the end of March and it's raised $3.1 million since then. But in that March quarter, it burned 3.7 or around that in March. I'm just going off the top of my head here. Um, so basically what we have here is a company with a great story, um, minimal receipts from customers and high cash burn, which means that its currency is its shares. So the main job, uh, well, the main thing that they need to do, the management is tell a good story about how much potential they have um, how exciting the stock is. Um, you know, it could work well for them if there's people on Twitter and Facebook and saying, oh, this is a great story, this is AI, 
that kind of thing. That's going to push the share price up. Then they can use that share price to raise more capital to keep the business going. And ever since I've observed this company, which has been listed a few years now, I think you can see that share price there. You've still got that constant um, cycle, the, the spiky share price they've got. They're trying to get the share price up so they can sell more shares, so they can get more money, so they can keep uh, putting it into company expenses plus R&D and stuff like that. Now, the question is, will they become a big winner one day in AI? And my guess is no. I think that the winning companies are going to be um, the like, you know, Facebooks, Googles, Apples, all of those massive companies that have actually not just heaps and heaps of money to, to invest in this, but also they already have managed to attract some of the brightest minds in uh, machine learning, data science. And basically, this stuff is really difficult to the point where it's really hard for me to even understand how AI works. And I'm someone who has worked in automation, in um, automating stock analysis and stuff like that and doing coding. And this stuff is beyond me. And you need that the people that you need to hire to get real breakthroughs are really hard to find. Um, and there's lots of competition for those people. So uh, that's why I'd say my play for AI, which I own shares in on the ASX, it's not a pure AI at all, but it's Appen. And it serves those mm. really big companies that I do think will be the winner. And that's the angle I choose um, on the ASX. Look, I have no idea whether the share price will go up or down. Um, it just it, it just depends how well they can sell the story, I guess. It is it a story that you buy, Rudy? I mean, would you buy a story? Would you have a small portion of your, what, play money, if there's such a thing for you, in something like BN, BRN, Brainship Holdings? I think, I think Claude just said all the right things. I mean, I'm, I'm impressed. I, I can't have a public discussion <laughs> just yet. But, I, we'll I, get but maybe, I can, maybe I can add a few things. Now, I totally, I'm shareholder on Appen as well. And so the fact that they present themselves as the only AI pure, it's, it's a matter of interpretation, but but here's the thing: the name says it. Yeah, well, they and it's actually it's the story is fantastic. They they are d developing chips that work like a human brain, so the chips actually learn. Yeah, so the idea is that they can they can, uh, for example, they are, they're very much focused on electrical vehicles that will uh, drive themselves at some point in the future. They will probably have to need their mm -hmm. chips for that because the electrical vehicle has to learn from its experience. What's what's a, what's a human and what's a, what's a sign, mm -hmm. for example? What's another car? And and they are in that field of developing that type of chip. Now that's really really high tech, the highest tech we, we might have on the ASX. But we have to realize no profits, no guarantee of profits. So it's it's a potential now, but there's no there's nothing to hold but on yeah. to here. I mean, there's you don't know what what's going to be the revenue next year. But, I mean, yep. let's take a guess. Okay, and that's Penley, basically what it is. I right? think this is a consensus on uh, Brainship Holdings. BRN is the ticker code there. And then we get to our fourth stock of the day, Vulcan Energy. This is a question that's coming from Trish. So we're moving to a low-carbon, no-carbon world. Yes. We're moving to electric vehicles. You just referenced some of the technology that's involved in all of that. So we've got this Australian company that's looking to use geothermal energy to get lithium out of the ground in a no-carbon way, which makes it more attractive, particularly yes. in the EU. Yeah, they, they Again, it's kind of hard to get your head around. Again, it's high-tech. They're basically trying to produce a lithium battery that yeah. is carbon neutral, essentially. Yeah. So. And the reason why they're doing that is they, they're hooking in into the ESG uh, trend that is, that is uh, increasingly becoming more important around the world. 
and and in particular in Europe. Europe is the the homestay of ESG at this point in time, which basically means you're trying to do the right thing both for societies and for and for the nature and 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 for the earth. Um, they get they just got some money from the EU. There's, I mean, it's yeah, all it fantastic. was an investment agreement exactly. for it's its lithium carbon I mean, they, bin. Actually, they actually put money in them. I know yeah. it's, it's, it's all fantastic, but at the end of the day, it's still loss making. It still needs capital, and it's still in that phase where, in particular, in that high technology phase. So it's 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 highly speculative. I mean, for me, it's way way out there. I mean, I might look at it and then then and then lose my attention after eight seconds and move on elsewhere. But I mean, to the punters who want to want to put some money in there and counting on, because what you're basically doing is you're trading on news announcements yeah. here, and well, that's where the share price responds to. So V U L <laughs> is the ticker code, Claude. Does this make you sit up? I I like the story a lot. I find it uh, more believable that uh, this will actually one day result in a viable company. But I, uh, not many people know this, but I actually did uh, a lot of my honours thesis in law on uh, renewable energy law. And uh, I can assure you that a company like this operates in an extremely complex regulatory environment, which also um, is going to be relying on government support, as we've seen, to get the project up. And the history of companies that operate in that situation is actually a uh, very low success rate in terms of making profits. So... I think that the reason that this one could be an interesting speculation would be that um, I, given the people involved where it's happening in the EU in Germany, I could imagine that this sort of having good news flow and as it gets closer and closer to actually building something, um, the share price going up purely on hype and anticipation. So therefore, if I was just uh, rat, like just hunting stocks, I would have thought, oh, this might be an okay one. However, that is not what I do. And so I always like to have some cash flows and profits and all of that sort of visibility to underlie any speculation I may do. And so as a result, it's, it's just a hard miss for me because it's just too early stage, um, too, too speculative for me as well. I'm sorry, we're going to have to look elsewhere for disagreement, Rudy. <laughs> <laughs> Renaissance man, Claude, I did not know that about you. Um, so let's get to something that has been, you know, really, really of the day, really of the moment, and that is gold. We've got Bellevue Gold, a question coming in from Paul. Would it be a buy, hold, or sell? It recently launched an Insto placement SPP. It's looking to grow resources, accelerate development. This is the story always with these early stage gold miners. Rudy? Yeah, it's, it's a little bit different. They just raised capital, by the way, mm -hmm. uh, at $1. Um, as far as I'm aware, uh, you can, you can, you can check, check on FM Arena. We have one broker who covers the stock, Macquarie, and they have a price target of 130 on this. So yeah, that's, that's, on th it. that's more than 20% above the current share price. In general terms, uh, most analysts covering gold stocks in Australia are not very enthusiastic because most of those share price have already run quite a lot. Mm -hmm. Now, I couldn't help but, but noticing that gold in recent days is moving upwards. Oh, it's going to be a record high. But so is the Australian dollar. So it doesn't really help uh, Australian producers, most of them that produce in Australia. In this case, but this case, however, is a little bit different because these guys are trying to revamp a, a gold mine that used to be in production a long time ago. And, and their, their theory is probably correct, that with modern technology, they can ac extract more gold from a mine, from an existing mine that has mm -hmm. been laid dormant, by the way, for a while. 
So the story's a little bit different, and now that they have enough capital, uh, I think that the, the odds are very much in favor that they will reach uh, the $130 mark and probably go beyond that. Um, because investors will continuously be looking at, in particular if the share market gets a little bit more edgy, sketchy, uh, they will be looking at, at, at which gold stocks they can still add to their portfolio. And given this one hasn't nearly as run as hard as, as many of the other ones, I'm suspecting this, this share price will go up. I'll yes. be blunt then, would you buy it? Um, uh, I buy gold, so I, I, I seldom take on the, the specific uh, risk yeah. of the company itself. But uh, if I would add, look to add a company, I would put this one probably in my portfolio, yes. Claude Gold, it's a hot commodity right now. There are many uh, gold producers, gold explorers out there in the Australian market. Is there anything about Bellevue Gold that would make you buy it now? So nothing would make me buy a gold miner. However, uh, I do will say this in favor of Bellevue Gold is that they've just raised capital as we've um, discussed and they've got a $35 million budget across 18 months um, to basically focus on uh, gr growing their uh, indicated resource. Now this essentially means that they're going to go around uh, drilling and trying to find more gold. And then if they find more gold, they'll report that to the market excitedly saying, hey, we found more gold, you know, this is great news. Etc. Now, if that happens, and it's sort of foreseeable that it will, you can see broker upgrades happening. You can see uh, other people cottoning onto the story and saying this is an opportunity or we should buy it. And, of course, if this is in the backdrop of a strong gold price, then you can have a good run in the share price. And um, basically, that's how, in, in my view, how someone could probably most likely profit off buying this stock now. And, and I'm sure that's what people are wondering because um, they've currently got a share purchase plan at a dollar allowing retail shareholders uh, to basically buy the stock at the same price as the placement did. Now, the share price is only about 7% above that, so there's not much of an arbitrage with the SPP, but still, I mean, I guess you've got a 7% discount, so if you want, you could just buy shares at a dollar and then sell them at a slight profit, assuming that the share price stays up. With everything going on, I have a feeling that gold miners will do okay over the next few months as uh, gold tends to go well in an uncertain environment. So I guess that's my bull case for it. Having said that, you know, it's, it's just not my game. I'm, I'm looking for tech, I'm looking for healthcare, I'm looking for these sort of secular tailwind growth stories and a, and a gold miner is not that. Okay, well, we'll still keep searching to see if we can find one for you to buy today, Claude. Um, it's that time, my producer's telling me to hurry it on up. Let's get a bit of a summary at the halfway point. So the first company that we talked about was carsales.com and that was a question coming from Jim. Now, Rudy Philippek Van Dyke says, listen, don't chase this one here. Yes, it pays a dividend. It's definitely a hold, but it just looks, you know, a bit expensive right now for a quality business. You want to look for some sort of a pullback th coming through. And uh, we had Claude Walker pretty much agreeing with Rudy on that one, saying it's a hold. It's not completely insanely priced, but look, uh, you only really want to buy it on a pullback. ARB is a question that came to us from Tammy. Um, look, Claude likes it. The founders are still heavily involved. They still own you know, a huge portion of shares. Uh, he's a little bit concerned about the macro environment from, for it, but says that it's a pretty good company. I'd say I'm going to call that a hold. Claude can disagree at the other end if he wants to, um, but probably wouldn't be chasing it at this level. And I think that that's what Rudy you know, was saying as well. These guys are really getting along well today, which doesn't always make for the best TV, but you know, best information for you. Rudy says that uh, it's never really available at a bargain, but it's a solid hold for him. Now, Brainchip Holdings tried to get into the techie AI space with BRN, but still 
Uh, Claude says that it's just too buzzword heavy. It's um, you know pretty much kryptonite, the fact that it's going through cash burn for him. Uh, it is a not a buy, uh, you know, it's too specky for Rudy as well. Um, although, you know, the ideas are big, uh, you know, you just unless you're really punting, that's probably not one. Sorry, Henley, there was not a lot of positivity on that one there, but maybe saved you a bit of money. Vulcan Energy, VUL is a ticker code. This is one coming from Trish. Um, Rudy says, no, don't buy it. Why would you? It's loss making. It needs capital. Uh, you know, it's in a space in the market that's very interesting when it comes to low carbon and uh, environmentally friendly. But there's just, you know, it's a horse race. Who's going to get the technology and who's going to get it first? Uh, Claude is also not that interested in Vulcan Energy. He's got a bit of form in this area uh, in his, through his studies, but um, he says not only is it an unknown whether the technology will come to fruition and how it will be adopted, but there's also a lot of regulatory risk in this area of the market, something that you should be aware of if you're looking to invest in some of these sort of um, energy, uh, renewable, um, you know, environmental thematic names. And then that takes us to Bellevue Gold. The ticker code is BGL, and this was a question coming to us from Paul. Um, look, the gold price is the backdrop, right? For this one right now, we've got gold pushing to all-time highs. We've got a lot of geopolitical risk. We've got a lot of risk on. We've got a lot of central bank stimulus happening. So the thematic for gold is pretty steady. Macquarie has actually an outperform on this. It's uh, not yet reached its target price. The odds are in favor, Rudy said, that you could uh, you know, make some money on this company. I suppose it's just not one that he'd necessarily be buying. And I think that goes for Claude Walker as well. He says, if anything, it's maybe a bit of a trading stock. You could probably make some profit. We see some rises in these gold names in the coming months. But uh, the quote is, nothing would make me buy a gold miner. That's from Claude Walker. This next one has come in from Mike. The ticker code is CDA and the name is Coden. Um, Look, it's got a partnership with Caterpillar. I believe it's sort of tech that is related to the mining space. Claude, can you fill us in just briefly on what Codan does for those not really in the know? Yeah, sure. So Codan has a few different uh, business lines and it, it is indeed in mining in particular. So it sells like radio equipment and stuff to mining uh, and other technology to mining companies. I think still it's much bigger uh, part of its business is selling gold detectors. So this actually makes Kodan an interesting way to play uh, the gold price because it has some of the best, as I understand it, some of the best gold detecting equipment in the world. And it manufactures that, or at least it, it, it has historically manufactured that in Australia. And so when gold price goes up, uh, small miners, uh, particularly say in Africa, have more of an incentive to buy these uh, gold detectors and of course, that just creates more sales for Kodan, and they make good margins on this. It's great tech. And as a result, we see it sort of going towards record profit. It's got a strong cash balance. It also has founder uh, founders involved on the board. So basically, I consider this uh, um, a very investable company. I quite like it. I, I wouldn't. I don't own it myself, so I don't know if I can call it a buy. But I think, you know, there's. it would be as close to a buy for me as, as I can get without actually having... Uh, cross that threshold myself. Yeah, right. Okay. Rudy. Um, I almost agree almost with everything that uh, went, what a boring <laughs> television show today. This, this, is, this is, again, one of those very interesting uh, industrial technology companies we have. For people to imagine what these guys do, if you see people along the beach with a metal detector trying to find the next yeah. coin or the next ring, 
that's probably from Coda. Yeah? So the, the, Claude is talking about gold detector, but it's actually met metal detector. I mean, it is true that their their predominant market market is gold in, in Africa, so mm -hmm. there's risks with that. It's one of those stocks you probably have it by now. You have it on your list, and you just wait until the market slashes a few dollars off it, um, because. The obvious observation is the share price is basically back to where it was pre-COVID, and that means it's 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 not cheap here. Mm -hmm. Okay, so not really a buying opportunity. Let's get to our next company, Betmakers Technology Group. Uh, BET is the ticker code. So two things that we're pretty good at here in Australia: coming up with tech, betting on horses, <laughs> and we're combining them. Now. We're getting so them together. So this is the back end. These guys, their customers are the bookmakers, yes. basically. Yes. So um, again. Um, the share price is where it is, and I wouldn't chase it here. But in general terms, um, they are trying now to basically expand in the United States. And they're, ha they're getting some wins and, on the and, board. And, they exactly. are. and so the potential in the US, as we all can imagine, it's enormous. So it's about how, th how those states are opening up and how much of the market share they can grab there. And that is basically reflected in the share price. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and this one, BET, is the ticker code for you, Claude, because the thing is, yes, they are looking to expand into the US. There's actually a very different regulatory environment in the US when it comes to betting on horses in general, but it is working in tandem with PointsBet, trying to really you know, open up that market. So you can see that there is opportunity there, but would you be buying this company given where the share price is sitting up 140% pretty much? Well, w when you phrase it like that, I have to say no, because I'm always very cautious to get involved in betting companies. However, I actually have to say that the business model of this one is probably uh, my second favorite or my third favorite after Ordinate and another stock we'll discuss in a bit. Um, the reason I like it is because it can scale really well and essentially it, it could uh, really make a lot of money uh, expanding overseas. And that's the opportunity. Oh, we seem to have just lost the audio in, there from um, Claude Walker. It's been a great connection so far. Uh, if you'd like to hear from the CEO of Betmakers, the name is Todd Buckingham, and you can do so by accessing an interview that we did, and you can do that via our website, which is ausbiz.com.au. But yeah, the Betmakers, the point makers, betting on that, <laughs> excuse pun, that U.S. expansion have been doing uh, very well. Let's get to our next company, which is Mineral Resources. Uh, you know, more of a traditional sort of company in many ways uh, here in Australia. MIN is the ticker code. This is a question coming from Anna. Yeah. What do you make of mineral resources? Well, two themes here that are very prevalent today, uh, quality and, and, and high share price. Mm -hmm. um, this is probably together with Monadelphus uh, regarded as the, the, I mean, the highest quality we have in that, in that mining services sector. This is more of a hybrid. I mean, they produce themselves. They do. And then they uh, offer services to other people. And then they also do, uh, it's not just iron ore, they also do lithium. Mm -hmm. um, so the lithium story at the moment, that's, 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 that's not much adding uh, to the share price. But it's all, it's all iron ore at this point in time. Iron ore price is above $100 a ton. That's b being now reflected in the share price. Mm -hmm. The share price has performed like extraordinarily well, uh, considering that it was sold off earlier while iron ore was still relatively resilient. Um, I mean, I would definitely not chase it here. Um, there was a very fair chance that we will, we will be facing lower iron ore prices uh, over the next year or so. Uh, and that unless lithium then picks up, it will definitely put, put uh, mineral resources uh, under pressure. Um, I don't think lithium is, is, is ready to pick up at here. 
and, and, with, and if iron ore then comes under pressure, we will have a lower share price. But maybe then if you believe that iron ore will stay resilient for quite a while, maybe the, the share price weakness over the next nine months might be, might be an ideal step in point. Yeah, okay. So what I will do is go back to Claude Walker. We've got him back again. Um, Claude, I'll get you to comment on mineral resources. So mining services, mining, iron ore. Iron ore is such a sweet story right now, not just for Josh Frydenberg, but for investors in Australia's iron ore companies. But but would you be buying mineral resources? I mentioned to Rudy, you know, it's, 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 a, it's a known entity. I can't imagine that it tickles your fancy when it comes to tech necessarily. Yeah, so it's not exactly my uh, circle of competence, but definitely from just all of the things I look at in terms of management quality execution over many years, mineral resources has got to be one of the highest quality uh, mining services stocks that I've seen on the ASX. And I would actually dare say, I think I was on the show a few months ago and, and said it was my favorite one in the space. Now, the, the advantage for owning this, I guess, is if we do end up having an inflationary environment as a result of all the money printing, then this is exposed to commodities, so it should be somewhat protected. And I guess I like it from that perspective. Uh, having said that, you generally want to buy these businesses after a, after a slump. So I think as Rudy was saying, if we do see some weakness, uh, often that uh, often mining resources companies are pro-cyclical. So if miners are having a hard time, then uh, mining service company having an extra hard time and vice versa. So uh, this is definitely one to watch for, for a proper resource price slump if we, if we do get that. Right now, it's, it's run uh, probably a little bit um, too high for me to be jumping on board. But having said that, if you're looking for exposure in that space, then uh, yeah, it's a good one. Okay. And just a final thought on Betmakers. We kind of got you cut off at the end. Would Betmakers be a buy if you liked that whole Betmaking space? Yeah, so I actually think that it's probably at, it could well be at an inflection point. And I'm sorry, I was cut off. It could well be at an inflection point. So I'm not, I don't have an affinity with bet, uh, bet making companies or gambling generally. Uh, so I'll avoid it. But uh, I think that due to the way the business is developing and even just the cash flow going into operating cash flow break even, there are multiple signs that the company is at an inflection point. And that is the kind of thing I generally try to look for. So I do think it's one of the more exciting. Um, stocks we've discussed today and um, although I myself will avoid it I, I would probably classify it towards a buy. Oh, good one Claude I've been trying to get the excitement levels going let's see if our final stock on the list does it for you this is open learning ticker code is OLL for those of you at home and this is a question coming from Stephen again uh, we spoke with the CEO Adam Brimo just a short time ago so it had a deal with Open Universities Australia it's been doing very well despite the coronavirus it's in online learning so you would think that it would do well in this environment have you looked at the fundamentals do you, does it excite you yeah actually this is probably my favorite one um, that we've actually discussed today <laughs> other than ordinate for quality but uh, so you can find stuff I've written about this because uh, I've covered it. I actually was buying this in March for the exact reason you've outlined. And I've looked fairly closely at the company. Now, I can tell you some pros and cons. And I, I think that the key thing here is that I have, I have sold out after the share price spiked up. Now, basically, the reason I like it is because this is hypothetically really scalable. And it's not just universities that it can sell to. Any organization that wants to create short courses either for their own employees, for their customers, or for the public at large can use open learning to create a really great interactive environment uh, where people can teach courses. And I've tried this out and I think it, I think it could be really good. And 
you would uh, I would argue that the agreement with Open Universities Australia is evidence that I'm not the only one seeing the potential in this platform. I also admire the CEO. I think he's done a good job. Um, the only, uh, I guess, the only disadvantage I see at the moment is that it is a bit of a hard slog for them to grow because each contract tends to be quite small. Now, I imagine the long-term plan is land and expand. So get mm -hmm. that first um, contract with a university, whoever it may be, get them to start using it for some short course, some small course, maybe a summer course that, that way, and then gradually expand on that over time. In a successful scenario, one day we'll have universities teaching major courses on open learnings. Now, this is going to be difficult because in order to transfer all that material from uh, the documents and the slides and the questions and the mm -hmm. quizzes that the professors currently have and put it on open learning, that's a big job. So that's the barrier there. If they can overcome that over the coming years, I think we could be looking at uh, a company that we'll hear a lot more about in the future. Okay, uh, that's Claude's view on open learning. I'm going to be brutal. I'm going to say buy, hold, sell for this one. I was going to make it short anyway. Okay, mm -hmm. good. Uh, too short as a, as a history, as, as a listing stock. Uh, not profitable. Uh, still has to prove itself. But yes, potential is there. I would say if you want to buy, treat it with caution. Okay. And... Um, I wouldn't want to shortchange our viewers because I did skip number nine on the list, which is Woolworths, W-O-W, -W, you all know it. Jan is, who's asking this question. Rudy, it's done well again through the coronavirus. Yes, yes. It's an uh, elephant in the I room. own it for that particular reason. Yeah, I mean, okay. You want to have Woolworths in your portfolio when, when the proverbial hits the fan. Um, probably one of the best franchises we have in Australia. I saw some research a while ago that it's actually one of the best franchises in the Asia-Pacific region. Um, it's going gonna, it's gonna to separate its, its uh, hotels business and gaming mm -hmm. operations next year, uh, which probably will create value for shareholders. Having said so, um, I wouldn't, again, I've been saying this so many times today, great business, you put it on your list, you really want to own it, uh, you don't want to probably chase it here. Claude Woolworths, Woolies, it's a good franchise, we all know it, um, but would you be buying it? Uh, so, not personally for me, I, I probably would wait until they spin off their pokies uh, before I really considered it. I, I really dislike pokies, but uh, I do actually agree that the Woolworths business is fantastic. And more importantly, I think throughout this COVID period, we've started to see uh, actually how well management has adapted when, and the team, the, the people that run Woolworths, how well they have adapted when uh, the going gets really tough and they've done massive transformations they've amped up their deliveries they've strengthened their brand enormously um at this time and i think that it's it's what you do in those difficult times that can make a huge difference for another 10 20 years so for that reason i i do have to agree with rudy that this is a, a great business and if it weren't for the poker machine stuff it would probably be a buy in my book Okay. All right, Claude. Thanks for that, Rudy, as well. Let me just sum it all up for you in case anybody's keeping track. CODIN is where we started this half of the program. CDA is the ticker code. So Rudy says, again, have it on your list. It's expensive. Um, if it goes back to its pre-COVID price or it's back to its pre-COVID price. So that just means that, you know, it's uh, not a lot of value right now. Claude Walker likes it again because the founders are solid. It's totally investable. It's as close to a buy as possible without him not actually owning it. So I think that's a pretty good endorsement of uh, Coden. But again, watch for price. So Betmakers Technology Group, Rudy says, yeah, it's a bit expensive, but there is, you know, the opportunity for it to grow. 
Claude Walker says, yeah, it could scale up really well. It looks like one of those companies that is at a uh, bit of an inflection point, and that's often what he's looking for. Mineral Resources, M-I-N for Enna. Um, it's quality. It's quality in the books of both of these guys. Um, the price, I guess, is the question. Rudy says, just don't chase it at these levels. Again, you'd be looking for some sort of a pullback. Something goes wrong, something spooks the market, and perhaps you could get mineral resources, although he does caution, you know, the iron ore price is likely to pull back from here. Um, open learning is one that does excite. Claude Walker, there you go. He uh, likes the CEO, um, I suppose. Again, the only disadvantage is that it will take a long time for it to score some of these really big contracts, but it's doing well so far. And uh, Rudy, again, says that, um, look, it is a buy. Yeah, open learning? Yes, yeah. but with, with but caution. caution. With it's caution. a cautious buy. It's, un it's unproven here. Yeah, I made that up last week. CB, cautious buy. Actually, it was with Nathan and Gaurav earlier in the week. Um, and Woolworths, Rudy says, yes, it's something you really want in your portfolio. But again, you know, put it on your shopping list. Look for some sort of a pullback. But if we see sort of a, a switch into cyclicals, then it will likely come on sale. And uh, yeah, it's not uh, Claude's cup of tea because it still does own those pokies. But he says it's really interesting to see how well management has adapted. And if it weren't for the pokies, you know, it would probably be on his watch list or buy list as well. I think that does it uh, pretty fair for our viewers, pretty fair for you guys as well. Claude Walker from A Rich Life, it's always great to have you on. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, it was lots of fun. And Rudy Philippe van Dijk, always good to have you in the studio. Thank you. So that is the program for today. Uh, we will see you tomorrow. Again, you can send your questions into the call at ausbiz.com.au or you can join us via Twitter at ausbiztv.